0: Hey guys, my name is Ian and welcome to the debut episode of the AZ Sports Podcast. In the debut episode, we are going to be ranking the top five winners and losers of this year's NFL free agency. We're also going to be predicting the landing spots for the top 30 remaining NFL free agents. And to top off this episode, we're going to be doing a mock draft based off of what I would do. Before I jump into the top five winners and losers, I do have honorable and dishonorable mentions for each category. We're going to start off with the dishonorable mention with the Carolina Panthers. I did like some of their offseason acquisitions, such as Teddy Bridgewater getting yourself a franchise quarterback at only $21 million annually, when players like James Winston was asking for $30 million annually from teams. I think that is a steal. Same with the Robbie Anderson signing. He was asking upwards of $13 million annually. He got a two-year $20 million deal, so that's $10 million annually. Great value for a very good receiver. Trey Boston, the re-signing was with great value, only $6 million annually. I really liked Trey Boston when he was in Arizona. I think he finally got the the payday that he's been waiting for. There was a lot of moves that I really did not like. I didn't like that they traded their 27-year-old Pro Bowl offensive guard in Trey Turner for a 33-year-old left tackle that's really been declining since 2017 in Russell Okung um I didn't like that they released Eric Reed Eric Reed in my opinion is one of the more average safeties in the in the league and they just signed him to an extension during the middle of this season and they released him I didn't like that the reason why they are on the dishonorable mention is because their handling of Cam Newton their previous quarterback um they could have went out a few months ago when they hired their head coach, Matt Rule, and said that he was on the trading block, which, yeah, would decrease his value, but they would have been able to trade him instead of taking all that dead cap. Once they realized, like, oh, shit, we're about to get Teddy Bridgewater, they, you know, they shit the bed, and they tried to get rid of Cam Newton to a team for ridiculously low value, and they couldn't even get that. So they had to release him, and that's just bad management. It reminds me of the Arizona Cardinals last season with their handling of the Josh Rosen situation, a former first-round pick uh, that year, and when the Cardinals drafted Kyler Murray and they had that opportunity, they shit the bed too, and they were only able to get a second and a fifth-round pick for him. That's bad handling by Matt Rule, their GM. Um, I hope that they're able to execute their number-seven pick very well. Um, I hope that their acquisitions of P j Walker to hear Whitehead um, and former Cardinals players Pharaoh Cooper and Zach Kerr, I hope that they do well in Carolina, but uh, amounting with the Cam Newton situation, you know they lose Don Terry Poe and Gerald McCoy, which were pretty much gimmies. they're in a rebuilding phase, and they're older players, they both on Dallas. the Luke Keekley retirement was. Very depressing, you know, I was a big fan of Luke Kuechly, and a 29-year-old still in the prime of his career, but still playing the best football, and is already out of there. That's disappointing for Panthers fans. Um, they let James Bradbury go, and I kind of like that they let him go. He was asking for way too much money for pretty much only five games of that would, would make him worth $15 million annually. Um, They lose Trey Turner, obviously. They lose Greg Van Roten, Vernon Butler, Mario Addison. Um, A lot of those players were outpriced and were either outpriced or they didn't want the players. But their handling of Cam Newton, Eric Reid, trading their Pro Bowl offensive guard. I mean, you can't ask for much worse, but they did make some good acquisitions, which is why they're not on the top five losers, but they are a dishonorable mention for me. Now for the honorable mention, this may surprise some uh, people. I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I love all of their moves. I like that they franchise tag Shaq Barrett, which they probably were going to do anyways, regardless if they came up with an extension or not. And, you know, they keep him for another year, they give him an extra year to really show, is he really worth the money that he's worth after one really good season? But... Retaining him was a dub. Same with re-signing Jason Pierre-Paul, their second uh, rotational pass rusher. Two years, $27 million, $13.5 million annually. I think that's a really good deal, considering that I expected him to get way more than $13.5 million, upwards of maybe $16 million. Um, they re-signed Ndamukong Suh for one year, $8 million. I thought that was a good move. Um, more help for their pass rushers, more, you know, for um, helping Shaq Bear, Jason Pierre-Paul create lanes for them to really dominate off the edge. And then the obvious one is they signed Tom Brady, two years, $50 million, which $25 million annually is ridiculous. I thought he was going to get maybe $30, 40000000 somewhere in between those numbers. The reason why they're an honorable mention, I expected them... After they signed Tom Brady to really sign, you know, a number of other free agents, maybe I wouldn't say like a clowny, but if there's, there was somebody like they could have retained uh, Brashad Perryman, Um, there's a bunch of quality players that would like to go to Tampa Bay and they just haven't done that yet. At the time of this recording, it's April 13th and they haven't made any other significant signings, which is why they're only in the honorable mention. I like what they're doing. And I predict them to be a playoff team next season. I just need to see more for them to be in the top five. Because while they didn't have a bad offseason, they had a really good off season. I feel like these five teams did much better in their off season and acquiring players than Tampa did. Now I'm going to be talking about the top five winners and losers. We're going to start off with the losers list. And at number five, I got the Dallas Cowboys. They had three star players that were up for a new contract. Dak, Amari Cooper, and Byron Jones. I think that the right move for them, it should have been, you know, re-sign Dak to whatever crazy amount of money he wants, and then tag one of either Amari Cooper or Byron Jones and then re-sign the other one. That would have been much more ideal. Instead, since they couldn't reach an agreement with Dak Prescott, they had to tag him and they re-signed Amari Cooper to a huge contract, 20 million annually. So that meant that they had to let go of Byron Jones and he gets while a massive deal in Miami, it was much um it was worth it for Miami. Um other, like their moves Blake Jarwin, three years twenty four million just to be a run blocker. If you think about it. Max Williams, the tight end for the Arizona Cardinals, got a two-year, $7 million deal. And he's like one of the better run-blocking tight ends in the league. Blake Jarwin gets $8 million annually. I think that's ridiculous. They signed Haha Clinton Dix. He's just relevant because of his name. He really wasn't that great. They tried to play him in the box Chicago last year. And he just made that safety group much worse. And that's what he's been doing the past two, three years. He's been getting much worse after he had two, three great seasons in Green Bay. All of a sudden, just plummets back down to earth. He got traded to Washington in 2018. They didn't want him back, so Chicago gets him. He did awful and Dallas, while they do get another start in safety, which is what fans have been dying for, it's not ideal. It's not. Um, I, I like the Greg Zerline signing, three years, seven million, their kicker. One of the better kickers in the league, one of the more accurate kickers in the league. I think that's better than Brett Maurer. Um, they side Gerald McCoy and Don Poe, which is like, okay. I mean... I don't really have much to say about that. They re-signed Anthony Brown to three years, $15 million. Another slot corner with their a million other ones. I did not like the Alden Smith signing. Hasn't played football in five years. And he gets... While, you know, the value for a safety and a linebacker shouldn't really be a comparison, HaHa is much more deserving of $4 million than Alden Smith, somebody that's had not only character issues, but it's just been non-existent and out of the league for five years i didn't like that you know you give him a chance cool i just don't like the signing um they also let go of byron jones like i said they lost travis frederick to retirement which to me you know a lot of people said it was surprising i didn't uh, think it was that surprising he really uh his health is just really deteriorating as the years go by Only in his seventh season and 29 years old, but I think it's the right move for him. Um, They let their Cowboy Lifer and Jason Witten leave. They let Malik Collins leave and Randall Cobb leave. Randall Cobb, that was kind of a ridiculous contract, but, I mean, whatever. But Malik Collins, I thought that was an L. He's one of the more underrated defensive tackles in the league. He signs with the Raiders, Um, and they bring in two veterans that I... While I think that they're good, they're definitely past their prime. And their handling with Dak, Amari, Byron, I think that's what makes them a much more of a loser. Now we move on to something more positive. At our number five winner, we got the Denver Broncos. Um, their first move of their offseason, I really liked a fourth rounder. They traded a fourth rounder for A.J. Boye from Jacksonville. Yeah, it's a big contract, but that's... For a fourth rounder, a 28, 29 year old that's still in his prime, that's a really good deal to me. Um, the franchise tag Justin Simmons, and he actually wants to be there, so like that's a good move. They're still in extension talks. Um, they traded a seventh rounder for Jarrell Casey, um, the Tennessee Titan defensive end, and that's I can't tell you how much of a great move that is. For a seventh-rounder, yeah, he has a big contract, too, but you for, like, a salary dump, really, you could you could have gotten something much better, Tennessee. But Denver, you get Jarrell Casey, you get A.J. Boye, you re-sign Shelby Harris, and you franchise-tag Justin Simmons. The defense is looking much better. Um, and while they did lose players, of course, they lost Chris Harris, they lost Derek Wolfe, and Will Parks. I think the acquisitions that they made, the transactions that they made, I think they're going to make up for those losses. On the offense, I expect them to re- sign a receiver. They re- they signed Melvin Gordon, which at first, it really confused me. I really didn't like it at first. It's really starting to grow on me. I mean, uh, Philip Lindsay, um, he wants a lot of money, and he's not John Elway's not willing to give it to him, the big contract. And Lindsey's not a three-down back, and neither is Melvin Gordon. They could split the carries, and they're both good receiving threats as well. Um, They really set themselves up in this draft to draft a receiver, whether that be CeeDee Lamb, whether that be Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy. Maybe they trade back and get Justin Jefferson. I think that was the right move to set themselves up for a young receiver right next to Cortland Sutton and more weapons for Drew Locke. I really like the deals that Denver made. And that includes Graham Glasgow. They let go of Ron Leary, their starting offensive guard, for a much younger and cheaper option. Yes, it was four years, $44 million, but how often do you see these offensive guards get you know, four years, maybe upwards of 50 million, or these tackles that are upwards of four years, 50, 60 million. I think Graham Glasgow was a steal. Detroit shouldn't have let them let him go. I think that was really the cherry on top to for Denver in what was a very good offseason. And keep in mind as I go into back into the losers list at number four the losers it doesn't mean they're going to be bad teams next off season so let's just say let's just say for some reason i had the cardinals as a loser um that doesn't mean i think that they're going to be awful it's just that i didn't really like their off season and that's why at number 4 i have the detroit lions uh, it's all uninspiring you know patricia is really desperate to you know keep his job um so that's why he keeps bringing in these New England players. Like, that's just boring and uninspiring. They, they bring in Danny Shelton, Jamie Collins, and Duren Harmon all from New England to meet up with Trey Flowers and other players. And, like, they're fine players, but D- Detroit, do, like, do they really need any more New England players? They just want to get talent. That's why they also made moves for Desmond Trufant and Halapalavadi Vitae. The Vitae deal, I really... It's a huge overpay. Dude isn't wasn't even a starter. He just has a boatload of potential. And that potential hasn't been seen as much on the field yet. Five years, 50 million for somebody that's unproven is a bad contract. No matter how you look at it. Um, the Jamie Collins' deal, yeah, former Patriot, he's going into a Patriot system, they're going to use him the way that New England used him, but I didn't like the move, honestly. I thought they were better off with Devon Kennard, and they released him, which really was confusing to me, and as a Cardinals fan, I was jumping for joy. Um, They traded Darius Slay for a third and fifth rounder, and it's not the value that makes that trade look bad for Detroit because I think that 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 was as good as they could do in terms of value. It's the fact that Darius Slay went and completely bashed Detroit and Matt Patricia and Slay being one of the Best locker room guys, one of the most respected guys in that locker room. For him to say that is going to get everybody second-guessing. Like, should they really be playing for Matt Patricia? And on top of that, Detroit loses Devon Kennard, um, Graham Glasgow. Um, they let Sean Robinson go, and, and I'm fine with that. You know, I'm fine with him being replaced by Danny Shelton, but in Detroit has got a lot of work to do in the draft. You know, hopefully they trade back, maybe with Miami, maybe with the Chargers. But Detroit, as of right now, you are still a loser. Going back to the winners list at number four, I have the Arizona Cardinals. And I'm probably going to get more in-depth of this just because, you know, that's my favorite team. You know, they re-signed Larry, they re-signed DJ Humphreys. Humphreys, I thought it was, you know, at first I really didn't like the deal. I didn't like that for one season... You know, he's healthy and he's all right. He gets 15 million annually. And then I just had to realize that, like, left tackle is a premium spot, and that's how much money you're going to have to pay for a left tackle. And there's left tackles such as Trent Williams of Washington. He's trying to get traded from out of there, and he's looking upwards of 20 million annually. And that's ridiculous for somebody that didn't play a year and has injury concerns. But Humphreys for 15, I think that's a good deal. Um, they transitioned tag Kenyon Drake, which I wanted him back, but if I was the GM, I would have let him walk, trade David for maybe some other assets, not the assets that I was expecting in real life, but draft a running back with their second round pick, uh, maybe like a Jonathan Taylor, but you know, they bring back Kenyon Drake on a relatively cheap one-year contract. Or at least for the money that he was requesting. It's a cheaper deal. Um, there are three big signings. Uh, Devon Kennard, like I said, three years, $20 million. He paid. He went to Arizona for cheap. And that's the same with Jordan Phillips. So that means that there's players that really want to go to Arizona. And they're both quality players. And they both fill needs. Which, on the defense, their needs are... Probably the most important things right now. A second pass rusher and then interior pressure. And I think they're both good players. I really like the Devondre Campbell signing to be the second middle linebacker next to Jordan Hicks. While Pro Football focuses, um, ratings for Devondre Campbell's coverage skills isn't favorable... Based off of what i've seen, he's you know he's like a very streaky coverage guy, but he's a very good run stopper, and we cannot stop the run for the life of us he a very he's also a very solid you know tight end coverage man and then i think you guys already know the big move the deandre Hawkins trade that's mm, that is a crazy that's the best move of the off season. I mean, for getting him for that value, David Johnson, a second and a future fourth, and we get a fourth back, and Hopkins, you can't ask for any anything better than that. I mean, Hopkins is really going to elevate this whole offense, and he's really going to unlock Kyler to his full potential. And with players having to worry about Hopkins... And Larry Fitzgerald, that's only going to open up for players like Kirk. Players like Isabella, Hakeem Butler, maybe their tight end, and Dan Arnold. I love what the Cardinals are doing, and I'm not saying that because I'm a Cardinal fan. not No bias, but they just had a really good offseason. And people are really overlooking what they're doing. So Cardinals, number four winner. There's no doubt about it. And... Moving into number three for our losers list, we got the Rams. I think this was also obvious. Um, You know, I'm fine with them releasing Todd Gurley. I do think that they could have gotten value for him, but his contract was just astronomically much worse than David Johnson's. That's why the Cardinals were able to get rid of David Johnson. So, I'm not mad that they released Gurley at all. Um... It's not that I don't like the release of Clay Matthews, Nickel, Roby Coleman, Jojo Natson. It's everything that they're doing is like panic moves. You know, they couldn't bring back those three players. Eric Weddle retired. And if, you know, it was obvious that they were not going to resign Dante Fowler or Corey Littleton. They're not losers because of that. It's after they signed with their respective teams, they go crazy and they you know, they spend their money on players that are definitely not worth that money. Like Leonard Floyd, he got released and he was brought in to Chicago to be a, a speed rusher and he cannot rush the passer for the life of him. They pay him one year for one year thirteen million, which is ridiculous. They sign Aishon Robinson, who Hasn't done anything, but has a, a lot of potential. Two years, $17 million. Whether, like I said, whether you have enormous potential or not, if that's not translating to the NFL game, then that is a bad contract. That's an overpay of $8.5 annually. That's a big overpay for somebody that hasn't produced in the NFL. They re-signed Andrew Whitworth. He's on the decline. He's a solid left tackle. But he was on the verge of retiring... This offseason. he signed him to three years, $30 million, And he's probably going to retire a- after next season or the season after. And either way, you're going to face the dead cap. And that's not good. There, Michael Brock is re-signing for three years, $32 million. The reason why they let him go is because they thought that he was going to be overpriced. They paid more than what he originally signed for in Baltimore and michael brocker is three years 32 million he's all right but uh, he, they should have just let him go instead of facing more cap casualties and that's why they're in such a awful position right now it's because they after the super bowl they thought that they were going to be you know bringing in a lot more and they signed everybody to these extensions but they're just they all became cap casualties. That's why you see you saw players like Akeep Tlaib get traded, Marcus Peters get traded. That's why you are seeing Gurley, Clay Matthews, Nickel Roby Coleman gone. That's why you see Brandon Cooks being traded for a second rounder. Um I mean, the Rams are on the on the decline, and that's a bad sign for you know players like Jared Goff and Sean, and the coach like Sean McVay. Um Yeah, the Rams are just big losers this off season. Now we're going into our third place winner, and that is the Buffalo Bills. Their trade for Stephon Diggs. Yeah, it was. They had to pay a price, a price that was bigger than DeAndre Hopkins. But that, that trade for DeAndre Hopkins wasn't going to set the value, which is why they had to up their assets to go grab somebody like Stephon Diggs who was ready to get out of there. They traded a first, fifth, and sixth rounder for this year and then a fourth rounder next year for Diggs and a future seventh. You know, I the assets, I'm not going to bring up the arguments that the assets that Minnesota gained are going to be worse than Stefan Diggs, so that's just a bad argument. We don't know how those players are going to turn out in three, four, five years. But bringing in an impacts player right now for a team that's ready to compete for a Super Bowl, that's the win-now moves that they've been waiting on. and they finally bring in a better receiver for Josh Allen. And while his receivers are... I like their receivers. You know, I like... They're tied in Dawson Knox. I like John Brown. I like Cole Beasley. They just needed that number one wideout, and they finally get it for Josh Allen. The Mario Addison deal, I, I, I'm I, not liking it as the day goes by. But, I mean, you had to replace Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips. Um, you also had to replace Lorenzo Alexander, which is why they signed A.J. Klein to a three-year deal, which... I don't have much thoughts of it. I don't really know much of AJ Klein. Um, they re-signed Quentin Spain, their offensive of guard, to three years, fifteen million. I thought that was a steal of a deal for somebody that I thought was going to get maybe seven, eight, nine million annually. Only getting them five million annually is a really good deal. And I think their best free agency signing—it's not the Josh Norman signing; it's not the Vernon Butler signing. It's the Quentin Jefferson signing. He was a defensive tackle, defensive lineman for the Seahawks. Dude was just unstoppable when he played at Arizona. That dude got pressure on Kyler, really stopped David Johnson in the run game. Dude played inside on the nose tackle. He played defensive end. He played as a pass rusher. He was all over the field and did very good in each one of them and one of the more underrated players in this free agency class, only for two years, $10 million. You know, you really got to look at the tape to see how impactful this guy is, but Quentin Jefferson is a really good football player, and he's really going to elevate that defensive line. The thing that I'm waiting on Buffalo to do is grab a top-tier pass rusher, whether that be Clowney, whether that be a trade for Yannick Ngakwe, um, they just need an elite pass rusher to really make this defense above everybody else elite. Um, they also signed uh Daryl Williams to a one year, three million dollar deal. He knows Sean McDermott, their head coach. Um they were really Carolina was using him right when McDermott was there, even though he was a defensive coach, which I guess at that point is just I mean, it's kinda all luck. But Darrell Williams' very good depth acquisition is really going to be better than Ty Seki at that right tackle position. Um, their acquisitions of Diggs and Quentin Jefferson is the main reason why Buffalo is a big winner in this offseason. I really expect them to be championship contenders come this season. Now we go to our top two. And we're going to go to the losers first. At number two, I have the New England Patriots as a loser. And I think that's all really obvious. They lost Tom Brady. They lost Kyle Van Noy, And Jamie Collins and Duren Harmon and Danny Shelton and Philip Dorsett. And they also cut Steven Goskowski. That is a lot of losses that you really... Like, I can see uh, Bill Belichick finding good replacements for each of those players. Those are all losses. Tom Brady's obviously the biggest one, which is why they're on this loser list. Uh, They tagged Joe Tooney, which was really surprising. I thought their other offensive guard was going to really take over. But Joe Tooney is back, and he might just be an asset that might just be flipped later on. Um, They re-signed Devin McCourty, you know, he's a Patriot lifer. I don't expect him to go anywhere. I like the Adrian Phillips signing for their special teams and more depth at the safety position. They're doing... They're so quiet right now. And it's really worrying me that they're not freaking out about their quarterback situation. I guess, you know, if they like Jarrett Stidham, they like Jarrett Stidham, but I really don't think he's ready yet. And the only quarterback that he brought in was Brian Hoyer, and he already knows the system, but <laughs> is Brian Hoyer really going to elevate this team? I think if they signed a player like Winston or Cam Newton would it be really good right now. Or maybe if somebody falls in their laps, maybe like a Herbert, maybe a Jordan Love, Uh, Maybe they draft Jalen Hurts in, like, the third round. I don't know, but they're being way too quiet to make us believe that they don't care that they lost Tom Brady. And even, like, their other signings, you know, Demir Bird, he was a solid player for the Cardinals this past season. Um, I don't have much thoughts about that. Allen is a rotational player. They really brought in rotational players. They really are not doing much this off season and based off of how little their moves are with the players that they've lost that's why they're one of my main losers of this off season at number 2 for our winners I got the Los Angeles Chargers and just like the Broncos they lost some good pieces they lost you know their charger lifer in Philip Rivers um, they let go of Melvin Gordon. Uh, they traded Russell O'Kung and Adrian Phillips and Thomas Davis. Um, I think an underrated loss was Jatavis Brown. You know, a solid linebacker, and he signed with the, the Eagles. But, I mean, I feel like they're really going to address linebackers in the draft. But I like the re signing of Austin Eckler, their running back. Really, that dual threat you know very good receiver very good runner to a deal that's really reasonable 4 years 24 million you know that's a cheap deal and he really did set the market for most players most running backs at least um they flipped their 33 year old tackle for a pro bowl offensive guard that's in his prime i think that's a great move they signed three players for Dirt cheap compared to what they the players were expected to get. In Chris Harris, Brian Balaga, and Linville Joseph. Um, Chris Harris, two years twenty million, that's a steal. Brian Balaga, a Pro Bowl offensive tackle, three years thirty million. That's a steal. They bring in Lin- Linville Joseph, you know, a past pro bowler and one of the best run stoppers in the league, two years seventeen million. That is a steal. And they also franchise tagged Hunter Henry. That's good. Um they, they would be number one if they signed a quarterback or, or like they do address the quarterback situation. I like Tyrod. He's not a bad quarterback by any means. I just feel like they're not gonna roll with him as their future quarterback. That's why I really expect them like I'm not expecting them to sign Cam Newton or James Winston at all. Um I would like for them to draft a quarterback. Whether that be Herbert Love or Tua because they're not going to trade up for Joe Burrow. I mean, let's be honest, guys. But I mean, everything that they're doing this off season and they have a good amount of draft picks and assets to really uplift this team, like, this is going to be a very sleeper playoff team come 2021. And at number one for our loser list, I mean, I think this is really obvious, Houston Texans. I I mean, the Hopkins trade is just, A huge L. You take on all of Johnson's salary. And you only get a second and a fourth. I mean, like a second and then you swap fours. And you give up one for this year and the Cardinals give up one for next year. A future asset. While the Cardinals can still improve their team with that fourth round pick. That's just an awful trade by Bill O'Brien. You know, he's been an awful GM since he's really came into that role. I mean, they re-sign Vernon Hargraves. You know, he's he's really addicted to signing mediocre cornerbacks. And, I mean, I like Bradley Roby. I mean, I thought that was one of the better signings of last season. You know, he played really well this past season. I just think three years, $36 million is is too much. Um... They signed Eric Murray, a safety that... He's not that great. Three years, $20.5 million. That's a bad deal. Um, they signed Randall Cobb to three years, $27 million, To really be their fourth wide receiver, I don't like that. Um, I didn't like it at the beginning. I especially don't like it now that they've traded for Brandon Cooks. But the Brandon Cooks trade is also looking... You know, I'm both sides on that trade. You know, on one hand, they bringing, bring in a better receiver. Um, Not saying better than DeAndre Hopkins, but a better receiver than Randall Cobb could have been. And he's only 26, which is ridiculous. He's only been in the league for five years. And he's not like a make-or-break player, but he was a very, very good player for each of the teams that he's been on. Um, I'm also, like, disliking it over the fact that they're paying the same amount for Brandon Cooks as they were with DeAndre Hopkins, except Brandon Cooks this next season, or after next season, it's going to be a $20 million cap hit, almost. That is a ridiculous thing to think that brandon cooks is gonna have a 20 million close to 20 million dollar cap hit but i mean you you had to go get another receiver they gave up the 57th pick and they also get a future fourth out of it but i mean i'm back and forth on that um i'm really high on dj reader i thought he was one of the more up-and-coming defensive tackles in this league but they let him walk and he got a big deal which like I'm not I'm not mad at Houston for not resigning him but I think that's you know still a bigger loss than people are going to expect and uh, Houston's whole off season is looking very bad and that Cook's trade also pretty much proves the point that it's not it wasn't a money thing when it came to trading DeAndre Hopkins. Because at first when they traded him, there was a report that came out that said they needed a clear space to re-sign Deshaun Watson and their left tackle, Laramie Tunsil. That's very clear that it's that's not true based off of this Brandon Cooks trade. Because they taking in much more of a cap hit than what Hopkins was going to um, give to Houston. All in all, Houston, they, they got some work to do. I guess the only really positive move that I like from them is Tim Jernigan from Philly on a one-year deal. Definitely not the same player as DJ Reader, but Tim Jernigan is not only a 26, 27-year-old defensive tackle, but he's a very productive player that should have gotten much more attention in this free agency with a very grim defensive line class. But even then, Houston, your handling of this stuff was bad. You're my number one loser, and that's by far. You need to change this in the draft, and you guys really need to perform next season in order to really change my mind because everything that you're doing is very confusing, and I do not like it. All right, so after going on a, on a whole rant on Houston, we move into our last um, our last winner, and we got the Miami Dolphins, and that was also obvious, too, for the winners. I mean, they didn't lose anybody significant, but they had nobody to lose. <laughs> but they bring in a lot of good talent. Byron Jones, five years, 82 million. He's worth that money, as I hate to say it, but, you know, for somebody as young and athletic as he is, and when he played for the Cowboys, really elevated that defense. I mean, Byron Jones is a very, very good football player, and them signing Byron Jones automatically makes the best um, cornerback duo in the league um they bring in eric flowers i i don't like that deal i mean that's the only negative about this offseason right now eric flowers 3 years 30 million you know he switched to the interior offensive line this past season and played three or four okay games all of a sudden people think that he's back to the prospect that everybody was raving about but no he he's he's still not that great he's definitely not worth 10 million annually not even 5 million annually but, I mean, I guess it's whatever. Whatever improves the offensive of line is really gonna help. Um, they sign uh, Jordan Howard, two years, ten million, to be their star and running back. That's a huge upgrade. No matter how you look at it, they lose. They trade Kenyon Drake. Um, they their only productive running back this past season was Kalen bolage That's bad. That's really bad. You had Fitzpatrick as your leading rusher, and you bring in somebody like Jordan Howard, and while I expect Miami to draft a running back, that is a good start with Jordan Howard. Um, They signed Shaq Lawson to three years, 30 million, to be a pass rusher, and opposite, they signed Emmanuel Ogba, two years, 15 million. Both of them very good deals, Emmanuel Ogba. I really, really liked him. These past two seasons, I thought that we could possibly go grab him in this year's free agency. The Cardinals, as I'm meaning, but I mean, Ogba is a very underrated pass rusher, and that's the same with Shaq Lawson. He played really well this season. And probably my favorite signing out of this is Kyle Van Noy, four years, 51 million. You know, again, this is a Patriots defense coming from a pa- former Patriots coach, and this is a former Patriot player. But Kyle Van Noy was the absolute most perfect fit for this defense, and they really went out and tried to improve this defense. And it's looking more and more like they're gonna really try to go after this offense in the draft. You know, they are loaded with three first-round picks, and they have five picks, five six picks in the top hundred they're they're fu- they are the future team of this league. They're the team to beat in the future. I love what they're doing. I love their coach. Um and if they fail in this draft, like if every pick or most picks are like not up to par to what they were expecting, this free agency list really like eliminates that. I really do think that they're gonna be really good in the future and yeah that is my top five free agency winners and losers. And now we are going to be moving on to the top 30 um, free agents and their and my predictions for their landing spots I mean I created this list more than two weeks ago and there has been some stuff that have been changed, at least for the players, and I didn't really feel like replacing them because I, you know, I put a little bit into this list. So the players that did sign with new teams. Uh, let me look through the list right now. P.J. Williams, he was the he was a cornerback, and he was a free agent. He played with the Saints past season. And he re-signed with the Saints, which is what I predicted. But I also predicted the contract, and I got the contract one wrong. And I predicted three years, twenty-one million. He ended up getting like a one-year. I think it was like a two million, three million dollar deal. And I really like PJ Williams. That's a good contract for like a one-year deal. Um, and then Demaryius Randall, uh, I predicted he would sign with the Redskins. He's a safety. And I thought he would sign with Washington because of his connection with um, Landon Collins. And they were really going, like, on social media. They were really, like, hinting that they could team up this offseason. But um, that really did not happen. And he signed with Oakland. I believe it was, like, a one-year, $4 million, $5 million deal. And still, that's a good deal for Oakland to really boost that secondary now you now you can let Jonathan Abram play in the box which is where he's at his best and you can have LaMarcus Joyner and Demaryius Randall in the back that's a good signing to me and then lastly um, Bashad Breland he went to uh, the Chiefs he re-signed with the Chiefs and that's what I predicted he signed one year I think it was like four or five million um, I predicted two years, 10 million, so I guess like annually, I guess I got that right, but um, not the not the length, but those are the only players that that signed with t- new teams or re-signed with their teams last season, but I still have 27 players right here, and we are just going to jump right into these predictions now to start off with the free agency predictions i have got taylor gabriel he was a wide receiver and he played for chicago this past season and he ended up becoming a cap casualty for them therefore they released him and prince Amukamara, all in the same day um i remember taylor gabriel being a very quick receiver i remember when he absolutely burnt the cardinals um, during that Super Bowl season when he was with the Falcons. um, I really don't see him being a wide receiver number one or two. I can definitely see him being a number three to a good team. I really do expect him to sign with a contender. And I am expecting him to sign with the Niners. Not expecting, but I'm predicting he signs with the Niners and on a relatively cheap deal. I'm going to predict 3 years 10 million. Um, you know, cheap contracts, that's what the Niners are really going to have to do. It's all going to be very cheap contracts nowadays because of the dead cap they're going to face with trading DeForest Buckner and their signings of Eric Armstead and Jimmy Ward. Um that's only going to give the Niners more depth. And they still have flexibility to draft a receiver, whether that be at number 13 or number 31. Next, we've got to Tlaib. He was a cornerback that played for the Rams. He, like, he predominantly played for the Rams this, this past season. Then he got hit on IR and got traded to Miami. Didn't play a single game there. And I'm not really expecting him to be much of an impact corner anymore. Um, I really just think that he'll be just a name based off of his injury history. I do think that there's going to be this one team in particular that he's been a part of for years. He's won Super Bowls there. Um, I think he's going to spend his last two years, I'm predicting a two-year contract, $7 million with the New England Patriots. It goes back to Bill Belichick, and I think that I believe in Bill Belichick enough to really... Have the defense carry the offense. Um, I think Tlaib would be... I wouldn't say like anything crazy for that defense, but he'll be still be a very good and productive corner for the Patriots, at least, because he came out of that New England system and played his best football in New England. Next, we have Rashad Jones. He played for the Dolphins this past season. He had a bigger contract and he's one of the older guys on the team and he got released and is still a free agent as of April 13th and that's with all these guys are as of April 13th they're still free agents um and as i'm seeing throughout like this free agency these older safeties you know 28 29 and up are not getting any interest, and I think that's, like, one of the more replaceable positions in the NFL. And when you have a 32-year-old that's really, he's really on the tail end of his career. Um, I do think that he wants to win, but also get, like, a lot of playing time instead of being one of those rotational guys because I think that Rashad Jones can still play. Um, I'm going to predict he signs with the Browns, um, not only is it more depth at the safety position, you know, they lost Demarius Randall. Um, They signed Carl Joseph and Andrew Sandejo. I think Rashad Jones would be better than all of those guys. And, you know, even more. I think he'll be very productive in that defense. You know, all of a sudden you created a secondary that has Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams... Carl Joseph, Andrew Sandejo, and Rashad Jones. I think that's a good, that's a solid secondary. Definitely not, it's like a good, not great secondary. Um. If that does happen. So I'll predict, uh, he signs with the Browns, one year, one and a half million dollars. Next up is Marcel Darius. He was a defensive tackle that played for Jacksonville the past two or three years. And um, like everybody else, really, he became a cap casualty. Um, they were in uh, salary cap hell, really, Jacksonville. So they had to release him and Jake Orion on that same day. Uh, Marcel Darius, I still think that he could play, and there's a lot of teams that still need defensive line help. Um, there's one team in particular, though, that I... I think that they could use him the most, especially after their loss of their young defensive tackle in Javon Hargrave. And if you can't tell where that's going, then I'll just say I predict that he signs with the Pittsburgh Steelers, two years, $16 million. I think they're really going to try to capitalize on Roethlisberger's final few years. And then uh, whoever the Steelers bring in as their quarterback afterwards, I think they're still going to be very solid, whether that be um, maybe they bring in the James Winston, maybe they bring in Cam Newton to really, you know, compete with Big Ben. Uh, maybe they draft one this in this draft, because I'm not a believer in Dev Hodges or Mason Rudolph, and definitely not fucking Patrick, Paxton Lynch, definitely not him. But, you know, you lose Javon Hargrave, but you get... A good veteran defensive tackle to really boost that defense to a team that already has DeFond to it, uh, Cam Hayward, Bud Dupree, and Minka Fitzpatrick. I think they're doing a very solid job with you know retaining their players, but also bringing in these good veterans to really capitalize on the last few years of Big Ben. At number twenty-six, we got Ziggy Ansah. He played for Seattle this past season on a one-year deal, and he really did not do well. He's not getting re-signed by Seattle by any by any means. I mean, he's not the player he once was three, four, or five years ago. I think now he's more of like the rotational guy, but you know, a, a solid rotational guy. Um, that's where I see it his career going for the rest of his career. He's 30, I think he's like 30, 31 right now. Um, Doesn't have that much great football left based off of how uh, he is playing and his injuries. So I'm gonna predict Ziggy Ansah, for depth purposes, he signs with the New Orleans Saints, two years, nine million. Um, I think the Saints really need more depth. I mean, I'm not a fan of Noah Spence. Um, Marcus Davenport is always hurt. Same with uh, Sheldon Rankins. Ziggy Ansah isn't going to replace any of those guys. But you, you know, you bring in more depth pieces. You bring in another veteran, and you know they already brought in veterans such as Janoris Jenkins. They brought in Emmanuel Sanders for another weapon. Um, they're really trying to capitalize on these last few years with Drew Brees, and and that future quarterback whoever may, that may be, maybe it's Taysom Hill, maybe it's Jordan Love, maybe they draft somebody. Um, I think Ziggy Ansah's only there until Brees retires, and if that happens, you know that's cool. Ziggy Ansah to the to the Saints. I predict Saints two years nine million dollars. Now we move on to number 25, and that is Cameron Wake. Uh, he played for the Titans this past season. He signed a three-year, $23 million deal with Tennessee last offseason. He was very, very unproductive in his time being. He only had half a sack, and then he got hit on the IR in November, early November. Um... I really don't see his career going much further at all. I think he's like 38, one of the older pass rushers, and I don't see his playing career moving forward. Like, I don't see a playing career at all. So that's why I'm predicting he signs with Miami on a one day deal to retire with him. Um, I get this is like one of the more boring ones to really predict because. Not only is he an old guy, but I think he's really gonna um, consider retirement and that's where I'm gonna go for this route. And that's all I got. Um, Number 24, we got Jabal Sheard. He was a defensive end that played for the Colts this past season. This past season was the best season of his career. Um, Very solid pass rusher. But he's a late bloomer, he's 30, he's either 30, 31 right now, and he is going to not garner a whole lot of interest, because that could just be, like, one of those one-year wonders for, like, these older guys, I mean, you see a lot of those as the NFL goes on, Um, I do think that he'll get... Not paid a whole lot, but you know it's like a decent amount to like Devon Kennard, and that's exactly where I'm going. Three years, twenty million, re-signed with the Colts. I think it's still a great fit right next to Justin Houston. Um, and with the newly added DeForest Buckner, I think he, um, Buckner could really help um, increase the pass rush for players like him, Justin Houston. Maybe even somebody like Darius Leonard if they send him to towards the quarterback. But yeah, I got Jabal Sheard, re-signed with the Colts. Number 23, I got a Jordan Reed. He's a tight end for the Washington Redskins. Um, due to injuries and his contract, the Redskins had to release him. And I think that's really what's going to scare everybody off is his injury history and his age? He's only thirty, but with that very many injuries at thirty, we don't know how well he's gonna play throughout the rest of his career. He might, he might be done in two years. I mean, let's be honest. Um, there isn't a whole lot of tight end needy teams. And that's why I'm gonna predict he signs with the Cardinals. Um, they don't have that. Tight end threat yet. Max Williams, more of a run blocker. Dan Arnold played solid for the two, three games that he played. But, again, small sample size. We don't know how he's going to turn out next season. Um, Jordan Reed, I think he would... If healthy, I think this offense could be one of the top tier offenses in the league. I mean, I really like um Jordan Reed in his prime. He's obviously past his prime. But I I think like at his worst he's like a solid number one option. Um that's why I got him signed with the Cardinals. One year, three and a half million. And number twenty two we got another tight end. And that is Delaney Walker. Uh he played with the Titans this past season. That's where he has been for the last four or five, however many seasons. Um and just like Cameron Wake, due his age and injury history, um, he got released. But the difference is that he's thirty six and he's known for his athleticism. I don't think he's gonna be that athletic anymore. Uh he's not gonna have that same speed as he did last uh last year or the year before. Um I don't see a lot of interest for him, but I do see one team that not only is in a win now mode and is in like a really like not a competitive division, Um, I do think that he would elevate that offense right next to Brandon Cooks, right next to Deshaun Watson. I think he signs with Houston, I predict he signs with Houston on a one year four point two five million dollar deal. I think that'll be fair for a veteran tight end that is really on the tail end of his career uh twenty one I got Tony Jefferson uh he played for the Ravens past season um he was supposed to be um a part of like a very solid duo with Earl Thomas this past season. But he tore his ACL week five. And he ended up becoming a cap casualty as well. So they released him. I think Tony Jefferson still has a lot left in the tank. He's only 28. But due to this coronavirus pandemic, he's not. nobody is going to be really interested because he hasn't taken a physical. I mean, nobody knows what his health is like right now. And he's more of a risk right now. And that's the unfortunate thing because if this whole thing wasn't happening, I think it would have already been signed. Um, whenever this stuff goes away, or if it does go away soon, I'm gonna predict he signs to Tampa. Goes back to Bruce Arians. Goes back to Todd Bowles. Um, he knows that system very well, and that that system was where he played his best football. And I'm gonna predict two years, fourteen million dollars. And next up, we got Eric Reed. Ah, uh, man. I didn't think that he should have gotten released. I think that was the only team that was going to be willing to give him a chance. Because, I mean, you see, he's one of Kaepernick's biggest supporters. And I, th- I knew that was going to scare away some teams when he got When he became a free agent. I really still see that. I'm going to predict he gets blackballed. And gets unsigned. As much as I hate to. You know. Say those words. In a free agency prediction. I mean. I just don't see the interest. With. um, His character. Um, You know. His thoughts. And I don't think that. I don't think it's wrong at all. I just think that it's going to scare away some teams, and that's really going to turn everything controversial. Maybe this gets controversial, but Eric Reed, I'm a pretty blackballed and unsigned. 19, Marcus Golden. Um, he was a linebacker for the Giants. He was on a prove-it deal after really having an underwhelming season with the Cardinals. Um, he played really well for the Giants this past season. I think it was upwards of like 10 sacks. But right now he's still unsigned. He was looking for $10 million annually, and he's not getting that. Um, I don't think he re-signs the Giants, and I really would love for him to come back to the Cardinals. You don't know how bad I would love for him to be back with us. Um, I'm going to predict he signs to Miami. Uh, more linebacker depth, more pass rush. He's still a young guy, so you know if you don't like him, you know that's you know you can release him. I'm gonna predict one year five million with Miami, a young team that still needs better defensive players, and that's just more depth to what is a very solid linebacker group. Next we got Darquez Denard. Uh, he played for the Bengals this past season, and he signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, it was like a three-year, thirteen million dollar deal, but he they couldn't come to an agreement, so he's back on the free agent market. Um, he's a young, younger-ish corner option, and I thought he, you know, that's a decent fit. For him to be in Jacksonville, but that's not gonna happen no more. And there's still cornerback needy teams. Um, I'm gonna predict he signs with the Panthers. They lost Bradbury, and they all their only secondary players that are like good is Trey Boston and Dante Jackson. That. Mm. That's a rough group, and you bring in Darkheads Dinard to a young team, to a young defense. I think that would be a solid fit. And he's like a young guy, but in those terms, like, he's an older guy because these the secondary consists of um, maybe 23-year-olds and 27-year-olds. He's 29, 28, something like that. So he'll be relied on to be the veteran of that team and really be the example for players like Dante Jackson on how to carry himself during games, during practices. I think it would be a good fit. I'm going to say three years, $11 million with Carolina. Next is Carlos Hyde, running back that played for the Texans. <clears throat> um, he, I think he got hurt. No, that was Lamar Miller. Never mind. They traded for Carlos Hyde. And you know To have that running back depth And now that they traded David Johnson They still have Duke Johnson Um I don't think he goes back to Houston I think and I predict He would be a perfect fit For Buffalo I love Devin Singletary their running back right now I don't see him getting back Frank, Gar- Frank Gore So whatever But I don't see Singletary being one of those three down backs he's that do it all, you know, return specialist, running back, um he could catch out the backfield. I don't think he's ever gonna be a three down back, but Carlos Hyde is one of those players. So I'm gonna predict two years, six million just to see how he how he turns out with uh players like Josh Allen. Um the duo between him and Singletary, it'll be solid. I mean... Yeah, I mean, call Hyde, Buffalo, I think it's a good fit. And next we got Snacks Harrison, or Damon Harrison, Uh defensive tackle that played for the Lions past season. He got release, and he's... I think he's like 30, but he's strongly considering retirement. Um from what I'm you know from what I am seeing from like reports like he's not he's not the best right now um he really needs to like think about his his playing future um and I really think that it's all going to come at him at once and I think he's going to retire And that's the unfortunate thing. Like He was a very, very good defensive lineman. And I still think that he could be very dominant for whichever team that he signs with. But I don't see that happening. Um, His injuries are coming up to him as well. And he's just turned 30, which isn't ideal. So I'm going to just predict he retires and he tries to live out his best life. Alright, we go to Trumaine Johnson now. He's a corner that played for the Jets this past season. He's mainly known for his terrible contract a few years ago. I think he signed like 5 years, $72 million, And he's just been awful. Um, I do think that he can redeem himself on another team. Because I don't think the Jets were really a good fit at all for him. When he signed, I didn't. Back then, I didn't like it. Now, I hate it even more. And now the Jets take on all this dead cat, but that's not the point. Jermaine Johnson, I'm going to predict that he signs with Minnesota. Minnesota lost three cornerbacks. Three. They lost Xavier Rose, who wasn't good, but I mean, that's still depth regardless. They lost Trey Waynes. And they lost Mackenzie Alexander, their slot corner. So you got two outsides that are gone and then a and then a slot. They still got some alright players like Mike Hughes in that secondary, but is he really gonna, you know, take over for what Xavier Rhodes used to do? I don't think so. Yet. Not yet. You know, Trumaine comes in there for a team that's wanting to win a championship soon. With Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook, Kyle Rudolph. Um, I, th- cause this is more, I wouldn't say at least a win now move, but it's a move that could really pay off if Minnesota decides to do that. I'm gonna say one year, two million, good deal. Next is DeMar Dotson, the right tackle that played for the Bucks this past season. Um, I'm gonna keep this short. I'm a, I'm gonna say he re-signs with the Bucks, two years, twelve million. You know, he's always been a solid right tackle, and I think he'll still be solid even though he's thirty three now, thirty four. Um, and he'd probably want to go in there to really, you know, be a part of the legacy of that Tom Brady might leave behind in Tampa Bay should he do really well there. Um, this is a veteran this is like a veteran move to help your veteran. Um I don't see much else to say about DeMar Dotson. Um you know yeah, resigns with the Bucks. Now we got Michael Bennett, probably the most boring one too. Or one of the more boring ones, too um defensive end that played for the Cowboys this past season um one of the older older guys that doesn't really have too much left in the tank. <sighs> I going not predict he resigns to the Cowboys. I really don't know where he where else he could go um maybe you know besides Seattle, besides New England um besides Philly, I don't see much else um you know i don't see anywhere else where michael bennett would go um yeah michael bennett to the cowboys next we got clay matthews he got released by the rams this past season and you could tell his athleticism is gone <laughs> not his hair though but like his athleticism his speed is pretty much gone i think he only has one or two more years left in him to, like, really play better than he did this past season. I'm going to predict he signs with the Packers, goes back over there for one year just to really try to get that last ring or have that chance to get that last ring Um, with one of his favorite teammates in Aaron Rodgers. I think it would be... I think it would be fun. It would be more box office for the Packers. Um... He'll he'll be an important pass rusher. Uh, he's going to be a key rotational piece for the Packers, should he sign there. And that's what I would love to see, and I think a lot of people would want to see that too. But, yeah, Clay Matthews, Green Bay, one year, one million. And with the few more players remaining, we start with Jason Peters. He was an left tackle for the Eagles this past season. He's a very old, but still very productive offensive lineman. I don't see him going back to the Eagles. I think they're really going to roll with um, their first rounder from last year, Andre Dillard, to be that left tackle of the future. And I think he would be a better fit than, than Jason Peters. Um, I think he would also, you know, Andre Dillard, that I'm speaking of right now, would be a better fit next to Lane Johnson than Jason Peters right now. Um, Peters hasn't been signed yet, and that's, you know, obvious. He does have a slight injury concern, but his age is just ridiculous. A 38-year-old that's still playing at a very high level, that's unheard of right now, or nowadays, and, obviously, he's going to want to go to a win-now team. That's why I'm going to predict he signed to the Chargers a uh, one-year, $9 million. Um, I think that they are going to draft a quarterback in this year's draft, whether that be Herbert, whether that be Tua. And even then, if you sign Peters and then you draft either one of those two quarterbacks, their blind sides are both going to be very protected. You know, Tua, he's a left-handed thrower, and Balaga is one of the best right tackles in the league. Um, you get somebody like Herbert, um, pretty much your whole blind side is protected. You know, Trey Turner's a left guard, and he's very... He's a pro bowler that's entering his prime, and then you got a veteran, Jason Peters, which, yeah, it's risky. It would be a risky signing due to his age and injury history. But would you be mad if you signed... A Pro Bowl level left tackle. And he doesn't pan out to be a Pro Bowler. But he's still productive. You wouldn't get mad at that. Especially if it leads to a playoff berth for the Chargers. So one year. Nine million. I would love that move to happen in real life. Do I think it will? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But yeah. Jason Peters. Chargers. Now, there's only a few more players left on this list. And to start everything off, we're going to start off with Prince of Mucamara, The cornerback that played for the Bears this past season. Um, also became a salary um, cap casualty. So he got released. And not only would I think this is the best fit out of all the teams and where I predict them to sign... I think this would be the most likely to happen, and that's Prince Amukamara to the, Bear, the, the Bears, the Broncos, one year that can be up to five million dollars. Um, they still need a little more cornerback depth, Denver. Um, Amukamara knows Vic Fangio and his system, and I think I think that's where he played his best football with Vic Fangio. Um, this past defensive coordinator, uh, for Chicago, really didn't use Prince very well. Um, he's still 31, too, and you get somebody similar to the age of A.J. Boye, I think that would be a very solid tandem, and again, that's like another win now move to really build up that defense, um... That defense if they sign him is a win now defense, which means that they're probably going to, you know, really try to make the playoffs this next coming this next season. Um yeah. Prince Mukamara, Denver. I would love to see that. That's what I predict. And now we got Logan Ryan, the corner that played for the Titans this past season, had one of his best seasons of his career. He's always been a solid corner, I mean, let's be honest. But last season was probably his best season. He he really did elevate that defense with Adoree Jackson and Kenny Vaccaro. And they really created, you know, a secondary that was really scary come playoff time. And right now he's still not signed to anybody. And he's only 29, and he's one of the top-tier corners. Um, and he's asking for $10 million annually, which, I mean, I guess that's quite a bit for a 29-year-old, but if you're really trying to win now, would you, would you not want Logan Ryan on your team? Probably not. You're probably going to really want him on your team. And I think that $10 million annually, um, I think that price is going to scare off a lot of teams. That's why I predict him sign, re-signing with the Titans on three years, $36 million. I think that's a fair deal for both sides. Um, yeah, it's a little more than the $10 million he's asking for, but you can't argue with $12 million annually for a player that really was... St- looking into higher than $10 million. I think that that would be a steal of a, a deal. So Logan Ryan, Tennessee, I think that will happen, and that's what I'm going to predict right here. Next, we got the top five out of this group. I got Devontae Freeman at number five. Freeman has always been a very, very good receiving back. In recent years, his... Rushing abilities have slowly declined, and he's only twenty eight, twenty nine, something, somewhere in the late twenties. Um, and a lot of teams were trying to trade for him this past trade deadline. And I think one of these teams that did inquire and acquired his former teammate is going to sign him, and that's the Detroit Lions. Um, on Johnson, I mean, he's he's whatever. Like, he's a he's a good rusher, not a great pass catcher. Um, Devontae Freeman gives Matt Stafford more flexibility. So if you want to pass it to the tight end, you know, not only do you have to worry about the tight end, not only do you have to worry about Galladay and then uh, Marvin Jones, you also have to worry about Devontae Freeman, if you sign him. You know, one of the best receiving running backs in the, the league would do Matthew Stafford wonders. And that's that's what I got. Number four. Yeah, James Winston. Oh man, I, I was really hoping he would re sign with the the Bucks. Obviously that didn't happen. And now the Patriots don't want him. The Chargers don't want him. So it looks like he's gonna really look for that backup role and take over for whatever QB um, to whatever veteran quarterback is like close to retirement. I don't think the Jags are out of the question because um, I'm I'm not the biggest believer in Gardner Minshew. I like Gardner, but he's not a franchise quarterback. I'm not saying Jameis Winston is, but I think Winston would be a better option than Gardner Minshew. I'm going to have Winston, I'm going to predict he signs with the Steelers. Um, That's what I was hinting at earlier when we were talking about Marcel Darius. You know, maybe sign somebody, maybe draft somebody. I think Winston would be the perfect fit as the backup role. not, Not only is it a veteran backup, like he's a plug and play player right now in his career, you know, Big Ben is getting hurt more frequently, he's 38, 39, somewhere in the late 30s, um, you know, he gets hurt, you got a starting level quarterback as your backup, and I think, um, (laughs) I'm not gonna say his eye surgery is gonna really turn him into a superstar or anything like that, but That will definitely impact how he's going to read defenses and what his receivers are going to do. I think he'll do very. I think he would do wonders as the backup for Big Ben. Learn under him and eventually take over for that Steelers team. So yeah, Winston Pittsburgh. I would love for that to happen. And there were three. We got Everson Griffin played for the Vikings this past season, still a Pro Bowl-level talent. And he got released, became a cap casualty, and it's looking less likely that he'll re-sign with Minnesota, Um, contrary to the reports that he was looking to re-sign with Minnesota. And when now teams are probably looking at Everson Griffin and thinking like, I'd rather have Jadavian Clowney. <laughs> Everson Griffin is pretty much that backup option for whatever team misses out on Clowney. Um, I don't see many win-now teams. Uh, maybe like a Pittsburgh or maybe a Tampa Bay. I don't think any of those are going to happen. I do... I am going to predict he signs with the Seahawks one year, $6 million. That would be a steal if that was going to happen. And that would make me nervous as a Cardinal fan. Um, I think last season, Everson played a lot better than Clowney. It's just that Clowney is just a big name, was a former number one pick. Um... I think Griffin would really replace what Quentin Jefferson left is leaving behind. I think he would be a better pass rusher than Clowney was with Seattle. Um, I think that would be a perfect fit and the type of player that Pete Carroll would be looking for. So I got Griffin, Seattle. Number two, Cam Newton. Um, Played for the Panthers this past season. He got hit with the uh foot surgery and only played 2 games and the Panthers like I said earlier they they fucked up that situation and is now a free agent um uh, there's two obvious choices that um that fans are wanting him to go to and that's the Patriots and that's the Chargers um if you heard me earlier I don't see the Chargers signing a quarterback. I don't see anybody else going after Cam Newton because I don't think he would... Not only would he not accept a backup role, I think that not a lot of teams would be interested in him being a starter or a backup role. I'm going to predict New England one year, $13 million, And I understand like they're not going to be able to sign him to that price tag the Patriots, um, I mean, I think Cam would be perfect for that Patriots team right now. Based off of how this team is built right now, this will be the best protection of Cam Newton's career. Um, really have that big play ability. Um, not a whole lot of contact would be taken because his offensive line play would be very good. um, I would love for that to happen. I think Cam would love for that to happen. Fans would love to see it too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Cam Newton should make that happen. Try to, you know, reach out to New England. You know, get a deal working. And I I hope that he doesn't get hurt because, like, Cam Newton... Although he did my Cardinals dirty back in 2016. um, I'm, like... A little fan of his for you know his big playability. ability I think that's what New England has been missing for a long time there hasn't been a bunch of big plays or players with big play abilities in a while they tried it with Mohammed Sanu and that didn't work out and yeah it's a completely different position but like receivers weapons they weren't there um when Brady needed it, and Cam has the ability to do that himself. And I think that would also really elevate this, um, this rushing offense as well. And number one, Jadavian Clowney. Clowney is or was asking for $20 million plus annually and nobody was willing to do that and with you know a good good reason he only played 12 13 games he only had three sacks with Seattle you know i also take into account that he got there during like closer to the end of train camp and so the learning curve was a lot different to players that were traded in the off season or mid season and midseason is a lot worse to be traded, but um really you really have to like pick everything up quick in training camp and you know he really couldn't produce as much as he would have liked um and this list was update or uh, this list was made before reports came out that the chances of him resigning with the Seahawks were slim to none. I'm gonna ignore that report. I think Seattle is gonna re sign him. Uh one year fifteen million. I think that's a reasonable contract for somebody that is a talented player but is asking for too much. So it's like it's a good compromise. Um and even then, you know, if the other prediction became true that, you know, Jefferson Griffin signed with the um the Seahawks. I mean, you could just re sign Everson Griffin to to a deal and you could just let Clowney walk. You know. Vice versa. If Clowney is if Clowney is good and Everson Griffin is like alright or you know you know, just alright, you know you can let Everson walk and you could re-sign Clowney. You know. I won't this is like a... as sad as it is to say it's a low risk high reward, you know, you're gonna really um I think the reward is going to be greater for Seattle if they signed Clowney than if they were to sign Everson Griffin. I think Clowney would be very um, good if he did re sign. You know, he already has a year under his belt and knows the system. And I think he would be more dominant and against, uh, against teams if he knew the system. And now that he knows it, he should re-sign with the Seahawks. Um, that's what I am going to predict. And now to end off this debut episode of the AZ Sports Podcast, I am going to be doing a mock draft for this upcoming draft. And these picks are going to be based off of what I would do. Uh, this would also include Trades. I'm not gonna include like any details. Just know it's either a player for pick or pick swaps, and then other assets that that will be added into it. And to begin this mock draft, um, we got Cincinnati. Cincinnati badly needs a franchise quarterback. You, I mean, Dalton's pretty much near the end of his starting. Quarterback career, um, and you just gotta take the number one quarterback and my number one quarterback and who I would take, who everybody else would take if they were Cincinnati, is Joe Burrow. Um, had the greatest college season in NFL his in college football history, in my opinion. Um, you know the only thing that's worrying me about Joe Burrow is his. his deep ball. He is his arm strength isn't you know too great. I think he's just one of the more accurate, productive quarterbacks in this draft class. And Cincinnati would be wrong to not take him. And if I was a GM, you know I'm I'm not willing to listen to any offers. Joe Burrow is my quarterback. Number two we got washington like considered a trade back here um i was thinking to some quarterback needy team like miami like the chargers um i also considered drafting a cornerback due to their trade of quentin dunbar um now they have you know a little hole at that corner position but in this situation you got best player available I I would pick Chase Young if I was Washington. You know, this defense, the signings that they're making is is really like a win now defense. You need to really uh upgrade your pass rush. I, I like Montez, but I don't think he's all that. Um, you know, you got other linebackers that are on either beginning their career or on the tail end of their career um Chase Young would really make that defense very good and if they did uh, if they drafted Okuda you know that would be cool too but I wouldn't pick Okuda that early if I were to pick Okuda I would have traded back but I'm going to pick Chase Young and I'm not going to look back now we go to Detroit And my number one priority is trading out of that number three spot because I think it would be too early to draft Jeffrey Okuda. I think you need to trade back with the quarterback needed team and there's two in the top ten and that's the Chargers and that's the Dolphins. I'm not going to trade back with Miami, but instead I'm going to trade back for multiple picks by the Chargers. Um, If I was the Chargers, I'm selecting Tua. Um, you know, his blind side is going to be protected... Um by Brian Balaga and that's you can't ask for anything better than that, maybe like Elaine Johnson if you you know you're really greedy, but I mean, Tua's got a great arm he's a very accurate as well um I don't think he'll be as mobile now because of his hip surgery um I do think that he'll be very, very good. Behind a very good offensive line. Um, he's got some very good weapons at his disposal. And that includes players like Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and others. And you got a good offensive line to support. You know, if I was the Chargers, I'm going all in to try to go grab Tua before Miami does. And... um, You... Light the stadium on fire because you draft Tua. Now, you know, you're going to have a lot more real fans, I should say, instead of the other LA teams' fans, you know? Um, so, Chargers, I would trade up. I would give up assets. We would swap first. And I would select Tua. The Giants, I also considered a trade back. But now the Detroit or I had Detroit trading back. There's no need to and you could take the best available player, in your opinion. In my opinion, I think you go offensive line. Um Nate Solder ain't it. Not it. <laughs> Their only solid offensive line pieces are I believe it's Will Hernandez. I might. It might be a different Hernandez, but I know it's. Um, I know it's not. It's it's got to be a Hernandez, and then Kevin Zeitler. Um, they really need to protect Daniel Jones. Because that dude has been absolutely rocked every time he touches the football. I mean, the dude had ten plus fumbles uh, in his rookie year alone, and that's ridiculous to me. Um, I'm going to select Andrew Thomas. I think he's the best tackle in this draft. I think everybody's so caught up on how good Jedrick Wills and Tristan Wirfs played in their seasons, and then Makai Becton in his combine. Andrew Thomas is the best all-around tackle that's coming out of this draft. I think he's a plug-and-play player right now. Um, He has... Uh, pretty good technique. I'm not going to say g- great technique right now. He could definitely improve that, but his blocking skills are very good. And people are just overlooking him because of Beckton, Wills, Werfs. I think Andrew Thomas would do wonders for that giant team. That's what I would do. Number five, we got Miami. Um, Miami really. Um, I had them not trading up. Like, I, I would personally much rather protect uh, Josh Rosen or whatever quarterback they're going to draft later on if that happens and try to build up that offensive line first before I even think about Tua. I mean, that offensive line is awful, and I think that would be bad for somebody like Tua to... Keep getting banged up after his hip surgery. I mean, he already has durability concerns before the hip, but you got to go out and protect your quarterback, wh- whoever that may be. You know, Fitzpatrick, he's probably going to be the starter come the season. Um, whether that be Rosen, whether that be Love, Herbert, um, Tua, you got to get your offensive line right. I haven't picked Jedrick in- Wills. His tape really just says it all. Dude is very, very good at his uh, run blocking. His pass blocking needs the slightest bit of work, but he's good at that too. Um, I think he would be very good in that Brian Flores offense. And whoever he is going to protect is going to be very lucky because Wills is a very good football player and... I believe in his abilities enough to be the pick for Miami instead of somebody like Justin Herbert right now. And number six is Detroit with the trade back. And my number one target for the Lions is Jeffrey Okuda. I trade back, I get more assets, and I get Jeffrey Okuda. I mean, you get more assets to really try to either build up that offense or build up that defense, and I think they would really build up the defense realistically. I mean, I mean the the Lions and Matt Patricia are really going to be basing everything off of their defense. I think they're going to really try to improve that. And I think Okuda is a start to their improvements. And they get him later on. They get the number one player that they drafted at six, where they could have drafted him at three it's this a great move by the lions and i would not be against this move whatsoever if this were going to happen number 7 is the panthers and the panthers they don't really need um any specific uh position um I think you go best player available. That's what I would do. And the best player available right now, who I don't think should be right here, but the way I drafted for every team and the way I'm going to draft for this team, I'm going to have him select Isaiah Simmons. Um, the Luke keekley retirement is really... um, It's really bad. I mean... You really have to feel for this Carolina defense, their team, their fans. I mean, Luke Keekley was an icon in Carolina. Now that he's gone, you need somebody to, I'm not going to say replace, because you really can't replace somebody as smart and as good as Luke Keekley, But grabbing somebody like an Isaiah Simmons to not only help out your linebacker corpse, but to improve your secondary as well, I think that this is a no-brainer. You go best player available, you grab Isaiah Simmons. Nothing much else to say. Number eight is Arizona. um there's a lot of things that I would do um now that the board or the draft has gone this way um I'd considered c. d lamb just to completely overdose that offense and that weapon. Um, I consider Derek Brown just to boost the defensive line a little more, just to add on to Jordan Phillips and an aging Corey Peters, and then a and then a third rounder in Zach Allen. In the end, I really need to protect my quarterback to make sure he does not go to baseball after his contract is up. I'm taking Tristan Wirfs, the he has so much potential. The dude's so athletic. Um, he's also versatile, so he could play guard. He could play the left tackle, even. Um, so in case, you know, Humphreys gets hurt, you know, you, you can plug him in right there. Uh, I think that this would be um, a very aggressive move for Arizona if they select CeeDee Lamb. I'm not going to go crazy right now um, on the weapons because I think there's enough For right now, the way that this is positioned, um, you take the best available offensive lineman. I take Tristan Wirfs. Jacksonville, again, for their needs, they should go best player available, but I don't see the reason why they should. I mean, I, (laughs) I think that they should trade back, and I do have a trade back. And they trade back with Philadelphia. Philadelphia gives up a number of assets, and they swap first this year. I'm going to say Philly goes after a wide receiver. No, sorry. That they sign a wide receiver. I think that would be um, the correct move to draft one. I think you grab Jerry Judy, the best receiver in the draft. Um, I was very biased with C.D. Lamb because I really wanted him to be a cardinal. But I would take Jerry Judy, Judy if our Philadelphia gives Carson Wentz that, that route runner, that pure route runner that he's been looking for. Um, and he's, he doesn't have any durability issues, which is great right now. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey gets hurt a lot. Same with Deshaun Jackson. Um, his real rep weapons right now is only Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Um, they really need to boost their wide receiver room, and I think starting with Jerry Zudi is phenomenal. At number 10, we got Cleveland. I mean, I, I'm going to go offensive line. I'm going offensive line because that left side still needs some work. They're gonna lose Greg Robinson due to arrest, I should say. I mean that dude really messed up. Um, you take Makai Beckton, the best available offensive tackle. Um, yeah, he's raw, but you'd rather have him. Being the plug and play guy instead of somebody else that may be significantly worse than Mackay Beckton, he has a he has a higher floor than most of these offensive tackles. So at worst, he could be like one of those swing right swing tackles. But at his best, I think he would be you know a Pro Bowl, not All Pro talent um you protect May- Baker Mayfield that's got to be your number 1 priority right now um it was a start with Jack Conklin you draft um if you draft McKay Beckton it would really elevate that offense that's what i would do um so yeah McKay Beckton to Cleveland and now i'm going to be going to the jets um at number 11 since every offensive line prospect that they would have loved is gone. I think you take the next best receiver because you lost Robbie Anderson. Yeah, you brought in Prashad Perryman, but I mean, is he really going to do wonders for your team? They still have Jason Crowder. Um, I have him taking CD Lamb. That's what I would do if I was, you know, if I was in that situation. Uh, CD Lamb. Um, one of the best. You know, he's kind of like a DeAndre Hopkins to me. You know, he's great when players are covering him very well. Um, He's very good at run after the catch, you know. No, like, they can both turn what is supposed to be a two-yard catch and can really turn that into 20, 30 yards. I mean, they're both just very skilled at um, being elusive, their elusiveness is um, very good. And if Sam Darnold had somebody like a, a C.D. Lamb, I would be going crazy if I were Sam Darnold because Ceedee Lamb, I think he'll be the best receiver in this draft class. Number 12 is the Raiders. I considered Herbert right here strongly. Um, I'm not... Crazy high on Herbert. He played better this season than he did uh the year before when he was getting you know a lot more hype. Uh I got the Raiders taking Clavin Chase on out of LSU. This is a little bit earlier than a lot more would anticipate, but I think. You really need to like boost that linebacker, uh, room, or at least the outside linebackers. At least you know you still have, or you brought in Corey Littleton, Nick Quaitkowski. Um, you have Max Crosby and Cleveland Ferrell, manning the the edge rushers. I think Clavin Chaseon as an outside linebacker with his speed and his versatility, or his possible versatility, would make him. Strongly considered at number twelve. That's where I would go just to boost up my defense. Number thirteen is San Fran. This pick was acquired by San Fran from Indianapolis in the DeForest Buckner trade. Um, and for that, I'm gonna draft a player that's been compared to DeForest Buckner, and we're gonna draft Javon Kinlaw. Um, I'm really trying to like replace what. We're going to be missing from DeForest Buckner. Um, You already have Armstead locked up, which I think is the right move, keeping him instead of DeForest. I felt that Armstead was a better fit. And you bring in a player that's going to be very similar to DeForest Buckner, and that's only bringing the defense back to what was already a very good defense or what was already supposed to be a very good defense is going to be just as good as the defense from last year. You know, you bring back all of your pieces and you bring in a player that's almost identical to DeForest Buckner. I think that's where I would go. There's no offensive lineman. I wouldn't take a receiver right now. I think I would take one at number 31. Number 14... It's Tampa Bay. I'm trading back right now. There's no offensive lineman. I'm not getting a wide receiver number three right now. I'm trading back with New England, <laughs> and I got New England drafting Justin Herbert. Uh, you go after the best available quarterback when he drops. If he drops that far, New England's New England. You know, I would I would pull the trigger to get myself a a better prospect, and I think he would. I think New England would be the best fit for Herbert um, instead of Miami, where he would probably get banged up um, better than the Chargers, which I just feel like Tua would be a better fit. Um, you, gri- you get Herbert, and you could possibly get that 1-2 connection and finally unleash Nikhil Harry. Um, you still have other reliable players, you know Julian Edelman, Mohammed Sanu. You have a great offensive line. Oh, man, that would be really good if New England traded up. And on Tampa's side, um, the way that I'm looking at this, I'm going to be looking more at the offensive line back there. Um, you know, if a Josh Jones falls, maybe maybe I take Prince Tego Wanago or Ezra Cleveland, but I'm taking an offensive, another offensive lineman, specifically an offensive tackle, if I had the ability to do so. Denver, at number 15, I'm taking the best available wide receiver, and that's Henry Ruggs. That is the pick that I would make. That's the pick that I think will happen. Perfect fit for that Denver defense. Gives Drew Locke another weapon next to Cortland Sutton, another receiver next to Cortland Sutton, and just adds another weapon to an offense that already has Sutton, Noah Fant, Melvin Gordon, and Phillip Lindsay. That's really going to help Drew Locke in the long run, or at least for this season. And we got Atlanta right now. I take the best player available. Derek Brown fell way too far for Atlanta to not pick up. I'm taking Derek Brown. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you lost, you know, players like Desmond Trufant. Um, you lost Devonja Campbell. And you brought in Dante Fowler. That defense is just missing something. Like, they're missing, you know, a corner. They're missing a, another linebacker. I just don't think... You can pass up Derek Brown right here just to you know bolster a pass rush where you know Fowler can really get to the quarterback easier if um, you draft Derek Brown and he's over there um, trying to make room for other linebackers to get after the quarterback. I'm taking best player available. Derek Brown is the best player available right now. Number seventeen is the Cowboys. Um, the Cowboys are in a situation where, like, they need help on the defense badly, whether that be safety, whether that be corner, whether that be linebacker, even. Um, I have them taking CJ Henderson, um, the second, um, not the second best corner in my opinion, but... I think this would be the better fit. Um, he's finally an outside linebacker. Outside linebacker. An outside corner instead of a slot corner, which they already have a million of. They don't have to draft another one and try to make him adjust to the outside. Um, CJ Henderson is one of the quicker, better man coverage corners in this draft, and I think he would... I wouldn't say he would make a day one impact, but he'll be impactful. Um, throughout this next season if he were to be picked there number 18 they luck out because of that draft pick of Jadrick Wills you go grab Jordan Love um, Jordan Love to me is a very streaky quarterback when it comes to like his statistics um, some people um, say that they're reminded of Patrick Mahomes when they watch him um I guess um I'm not going to go crazy over that comparison like he's very good at throwing at different arm angles the deep ball uh, throwing on the on the run to the left or to the right um they just need to fix his turnover problem and then Miami would be really set um I think he is the better prospect than Josh Rosen was in 2018 um I guess you could say in the sense that they're similar in the fact that um, they were very streaky in their times in college. I just think Jordan Love has the higher upside and would make Miami a better football team than Josh Rosen right now. Number 19 is the Raiders again. Um, And they really still need to continue to build... On that defense that is still missing pieces, on not only on the defensive line, but in their secondary still. I'm having him take Christian Fulton. Um, I can't remember if it was him or A.J. Terrell, but it was um, a game where he could not guard um, the Alabama receivers and Zutty, Ruggs. And he got completely burnt off of um, a player too, But that's a tough task for somebody... Uh, like, he's the number four corner on my board. It's tough for somebody that's the number four cornerback in the draft to guard the number one and number three receivers in the draft and have a higher ceiling than Christian Fulton. I think Fulton would really... Step in and be a day one contributor, just due to the fact that he he'll be the best corner day one. Um, I am high on Fulton. I think he's a better. Um, I think he's a better slot corner. But you put him on the outside. He's you know he's versatile. Um, I like Christian Fulton a lot for this team. And next at number twenty we have Jacksonville, mm-hmm. and. Just, like, two out of the last three picks. I'm going to go corner, and I'm going to have my number two corner go off the board in Trayvon Diggs from Alabama. Dude is a complete stud. He's very quick. He is very aggressive. Like, he's aggressive with his hands, but he's not, like, too overly aggressive where he can get, like, multiple pass interference calls. Um, He was very good this past season, but... Um, I can't remember if he participated in the combine or not, but something about that made him drop down to as low as, like, the 48th pick in the draft, and I think that's ridiculous, because I think he's the number two corner in this draft. Um, You lose out on Darkez Denard, you still need another corner, and you already traded away Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye. I think Trevon Diggs would be the start to what would be a better secondary and next up at number 21 is Jacksonville again from the trade down with Philadelphia I'm gonna have him take a Yannick Ngakwe replacement and I'm gonna have him select AJ Epinesa I wouldn't say he has like the abilities um, that Yannick Ngakwe does I think he has more of like a Clay's Campbell type of build, you know, more, more hands-on and aggressive. Won't get after the quarterback with speed, but with technique. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why he's dropping so low into the first round is because of his quickness and athleticism. Um, that a pass rusher should have. But I think AJ Epinesa, um trading away Clay's Campbell. And later in this draft, you'll see I trade um, Yannick and Gokwe. I think you get, um, your pass rush is going to get younger. Um, You're really going to go for a a rebuild right now. And using these two players and a third player that's coming up in this um, mock draft is a good start. Um, I think he would be a great fit for Doug Marone, um, just as how Calais was a good fit for Doug Marone. Number two, twenty-two, 22, I should say, is Minnesota, and I have him selecting a receiver just to re- get the replacement ready for Stefan Diggs. I'm going select Justin Jefferson, um... Really a solid wide receiver in this draft class. Um, really good hands. Um, not the quickest, but his technique and using his hands to, you know, create space is top tier. I really like it. I think Justin Jefferson for Minnesota, you know, you. I'm not going to say you're going to replace Stephon Diggs, but he's going to... Really, be that be another weapon, a very good weapon for Kirk Cousins in his last few years. I mean, you have to realize like Kirk Cousins is already like 30 something, 31, 32, 33. I mean, it felt like t- not too long ago where you know Kirk Cousins was yelling out, You like that to reporters, but um, you got to capitalize and give him more weapons, not only that, but also an offensive line. Um, you take Justin Jefferson first, though. So. Number 23 it was the Bucks, uh after the trade down with New England, but I have them trading that pick, too. I'm going to have them trade to Washington, and they get Trent Williams in return. Um, Washington is now on the clock. They select their replacement for him in... Josh Jones, one of the higher floor, lower ceiling guys. I think he's going to be a very good offensive tackle for Dwayne Haskins. Um, i got nothing much else to say on Josh Jones, but other than he's a good fit for Washington. Number 24 is the Saints. I am going to go LaVisca Chennault. The thing is, like, because of his injury, like he's gonna drop down to the second round. There's no doubt about that. Um, I just think that Chenault would be so good in that New Orleans offense. Um, be that third receiver, third offensive, you know, receiver weapon that would probably get a lot more touches now that they have Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas to worry about. That opens up a lot more opportunities for Jared Cook, uh, Alvin Kamara, and Latavius Murray. And if they draft LaVisca Chenault, that's just another weapon that people are going to have to worry about. Um, I think he would be great in that New Orleans offense, and I think that's the way I would go. No quarterback here. Uh, Number 25 is Minnesota again. Um, Again, I said I was going to have him pick an offensive line. Um, I'm gonna go Cesar Reese, really try to improve that interior just to give more room for players or their running back, Dalvin Cook. Um I mean, I like Dalvin Cook a lot. I just think that his his offensive line and Kirk Cousins O line is just bad. They need a they need a new start with all of it. They released their I can't remember his name, but he was like their right tackle or something like that. Um, no, it was an offensive guard. It was Josh Klein. You get your Josh Klein replacement in Caesar Ruiz, and I think he could be way better than Josh Klein. 26 is back with Miami. Um, I think you need more protection. Now you got to protect Jordan Love's blind side. You take Austin Jackson right here. Um, Now all of a sudden you have... You know, better protectors. You know, raw to say the least. But every player that they've drafted right now is pretty raw. Besides Wills, um, I think that Austin Jackson would really do well on that left side. He both the thing that's common with Austin Jackson and Jedrick Wills, they're both not very versatile, so they'll stay in their respective positions as long as they can. And both, you know, relatively healthy. Um, I'm going to have Austin Jackson go to Miami to really protect or up up the protection for Jordan Love. Number 27, I said there's a Yannick Ngakwe trade. I have him go into Seattle. Jacksonville gets another pick. And to keep bolstering that defense, you take Kenneth Murray to combat the loss of Jake Ryan. Um, I think Jake Ryan was a very all right linebacker. He was definitely not worth 20-something million or 18 million for three years when he signed with Jacksonville this past offseason. I think it's a good move that—I think it would be a good move for them to take Kenneth Murray— before Baltimore does. I think he'll I think Kenneth Murray will be the best linebacker in this draft by the end of his career, Patrick Queen's careers, and with Gross Matos and uh Clavin Chase on. Um I think Kenneth Murray is gonna be very would be very good for Jacksonville, because like another, you know, seamless fit fit, just like how the two players drafted before him are just just effortlessly fit in, and that was the last of the, the trades that I have in this in this mock. Twenty eight is Baltimore. I haven't taken Patrick Queen. Um, in the in the event of them trading, um, Matt Judon or keeping Matt Judon, you still need more linebacker depths. I'm picking Patrick Queen. He's the best one available. And he really was performing in the the bright lights of the, the football championship and in the, I forgot what bowl game they were playing in, and that's really sad for me to say, but I can't remember the first bowl game they were playing in. But I think Patrick Queen would fit in very, very well with that Baltimore defense, and that's, it just seems like a player that um, Harbaugh would really love to coach. 29 is Tennessee. They still need a, a pass rusher or like a better pass rusher than they have right now. I'm not going to believe that Vic Beasley is going to somehow turn it around. Um, they got rid of Jarrell Casey. Um, they got rid of Cameron Wake as well. I mean, he wasn't going to do much, but... I mean, it's already good enough to, you know, have somebody like Cameron Wake in your locker room. I'm gonna have him take uh Gross Grossmotos out of Penn State. Um, for a while, before um, the last like two like two weeks ago, for a while I thought that Motos would be a perfect fit for Tampa Bay. I still think that he would be. Um just says like depth purposes, but as you see in this mock it didn't turn out that way. You get a you get a pass rusher, you get a run stuffer and Yeter Gross Matos. Um, a player that Tennessee has would be like ecstatic to to draft. Um I don't think that there's any other player that I could see them going, Oh, you know, I'd rather have him over Yitter Gross Matos and that's certainly not what I would do because I love Matos. and I think he would do wonders for that Tennessee defense. Number 30 is Green Bay. They's they signed Devin Funchess, they still need a receiver. I'm going to have them draft Denzel Mims. Um I was thinking KJ Hamler for a little but dude that is light, short in every aspect. Uh Mims was pretty much like a combine hero, to say the least. But I believe in his skills enough to make him that third, that second or third string receiver next to Funchess and next to um, Adams. And another weapon for Aaron Rodgers, which it just seems like he was missing for a long time. I just, and if you draft him, he's going to really open up the run game as well. Um. I also did think of um right tackle cuz I'm you know the loss of Brian Belaga is huge and they only replaced him with Rick Wagner and that's you know much much worse than they had pre- previously um you still take that third receiver um you still keep trying to build around Aaron Rodgers with better players around them and I think Denzel Mims would do Aaron Rodgers wonders Number 31, I said that San Fran would draft a receiver. I have not taken Jalen Rager. He's one of the fastest players in this draft. I think he's faster than Henry Ruggs. Um, Came out of Texas Christian. Um, His production, his statistics does not lie. Um, He's definitely a little raw for his route running and his catch radius. I don't think his catch radius is going to change because I think it's like almost impossible to change a, a catching radius. But I bet you can improve his route running. And if he does, I can see Debo Samuel potential out of him. And for our last pick of this mock draft, at number 32, um, I have Kansas City taking A.J. Terrell out of Clemson. It was Terrell... Wasn't what's his face's name? It wasn't. Uh, well, Who was the corner that I was talking about earlier? I was talking about Fulton. It wasn't Fulton. It was Terrell. That you know he was getting clowned for being, you know, burnt by all these Alabama receivers. It was that's just a hard task. Um Terrell, I see him better in the zone, and I think the Chiefs run better zone than a man and they still need cornerback depth and I'm thinking you know Terrell I think he's the best corner available at this point of the draft you draft him you don't look back Um, you keep trying to improve the defense in the rest of this draft and um, really try to make that defense much more championship caliber than it was last year So AJ Terrell tops off this last pick of this mock draft and if there's viewers still out there watching this I mean this is going to be a very long first episode but I think next week is going to be longer Um, the day before the drafts I'm going to be uploading a seven round mock draft and that's kind of ridiculous and that's going to be predictions on what I think is going to happen um, there's gonna be trades in there, and I think that, you know, the draft day is really getting me excited, because there's nothing else going on in the world right now, in the sports world at least, I mean, stay safe out there, um, and thank you for listening to this first episode of the podcast, I hope you did enjoy listening to me talk for hours, and um... Yeah. Oh. I'll, I'll be back.